Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we talk about our struggles of the week, the biggest thing of which is James bringing up the feelings that life has little meaning. Everything that we're doing because there's so many external forces against us or seemingly against us that what's the point of all of this, as he says. And we kind of explore that a little bit to see if there is a point to any of this. Yeah. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us. This is episode 42, Startup Struggles. 42. 42. My name is James Park. Got Sean Lee virtually across from me. And we are here to talk about weekly struggles. How every week is a combination of successes, of wins, of losses and mistakes, struggles, the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys. Some weeks will trend up. Some weeks will trend down. Some weeks will just be neutral. And neutral is also just a win. And even losing, even if you're going down. Still a win. It's a win because you made it. <laughs> yep. So one of my weekly habits is to go over the last week and list out three wins that I had. And this week I wrote, I made it through the week. And it was a win. I'm trying to make that feel completely okay. Yeah. And the biggest thing I struggled with this week and for listeners, we're jumping right into it because we had a pretty long conversation before we started recording. But I was talking about how I'm having an existential crisis. I'm wondering, what's the point? What is the point of all this? And Sean, you had a really good answer. What would you say? Yeah, there is no point. <laughs> There's no point. I mean, I'm, for listeners, the full context is in the context of rising inflation rates, right? Wages not increasing for most people, the increasing gap in the 1% and the 99, the rich and the poor, and the erasure of the middle class. So many things, rising gas prices, cost of living. It does make it difficult. You know, racial inequality, social injustice. <laughs> it's just on and on and on. Housing market. Oh yeah, bear market, rising home prices, rising interest rates. And inability to afford homes. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. And, and it, it does feel overwhelming because it does put into question, like you said, what's the point of all of this if, if it feels like you're always going to be behind? And my realization is that, especially after, you know, the Bell's palsy, me stepping back, it's like, there is no point. There really is no point. What would be the point? Like, even if you won something, it's temporary. Yeah. Or even if you win something, you might be you know, losing in some other aspect of your life, right? You could be a billionaire, but you could have a terrible marriage and be completely un unhappy. Oh, this reminds me, James. Just go on a slight tangent here. I was reading an article written by this guy, this futurist, who was invited to meet with these like billionaires to talk about doomsday scenarios. Like These billionaires... All they're thinking about is like, all right, we're building these secret bunkers. We're storing like all this food. We've hired like Navy SEALs, ex-Navy SEALs, to basically like protect these compounds in case of a doomsday scenario. They're going to escape there and they're going to live in this compound and survive and be protected by all these ex-Navy SEALs. Yeah. There's a lot of humor coming, by the way. 
That's why I deliberately paused. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> then they realized, why the fuck would the Navy SEALs protect them if the world fell apart? What good is their money? What do they have to offer those? Like The only reason they're, those ex-Navy SEALs are protecting them or willing to protect them now is because money is still good. Money is still valuable. In a doomsday scenario where like the only real currency is food, <laughs> right? Why would they even protect these billionaires? Who the fuck care? They would just like kill them. The question was like, why would they follow leadership? That person's leadership. They wouldn't. Because they have all the food. So that's what they thought. They were like, okay, so that means like maybe what I do is like I padlock this thing. Only I have the passcode to it, to the food source and whatever. It's just like, but think about it. How like the moment you open that door, like they're going to rush in and like kill you, you know, like whatever. There's so much ridiculousness to, to make that happen because in the reality of it, they would just kill you or they would torture you. They wouldn't follow the normal means of society anymore, the rules of society. Yeah. It would be true whoever is truly the leader. Right. I would say like maybe the team captain on the Navy SEAL. Right. But here's the thing. So what it came down to is exactly what we're kind of talking about. And why is that, James? Why does that structure, that leadership structure, even that still exist? Because there's relationship, there's trust. Mm. And in a doomsday scenario, everything comes down to community, relationship, and trust. Clearly, these Navy SEALs trust each other. They would trust one person to lead, right? Because they have a relationship. And so what this guy was telling these billionaires was like, you need to start building relationships with people. You need to think about relationships, not thinking about money or like passcodes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? And obviously to these people, they're just like, what? <laughs> but the crazier thing is that this whole article talks about like, these are like the tech billionaires that are creating the social disorder that we have today that are creating some of the problems that we have today. And they're the first ones to want to escape this reality that they created. But that's the funny thing is that you can't escape it. They think they can. They think having billions of dollars can help you escape reality. But what reality are you escaping to? You're still escaping to a wasteland. And so that's the irony of this whole thing is that how do we create, even in a doomsday scenario, how do we create something survivable? And the only way to create something survivable, which there's actually a startup around this, is to create communities, is to not try to think like I can just hunker in a bunker and survive alone, but like how can I create a compound where I have a community of people? There's a doctor in place, there's like farmers, there's like a community of people, bakers, like whatever it is, right? Because it also begs the question, what kind of existence is, you know, eating cup ramen just in a bunker in a hole by yourself? It's like you're literally just living in a grave. You're just surviving in a grave, in your own grave. So coming back full circle, off tangent, there is no point. There really is no point. You can make all the money in the world. You can escape reality. You can survive reality. You can survive doomsday scenarios, but there still is no point. You're just fucking living in a grave in the ground, just alive underground versus dead underground <laughs> for a short period of time, for a finite period of time. If there is anything to draw from this, James, is that relationships. Yeah. It seems like relationships and service is what life comes down to. I thought about this. I was like, hey, should I buy some guns? Our friend owns some guns. I was like, dude, in the doomsday scenario, should I own some guns? I won't lie to you, man. The thought has crossed my mind. Because in this scenario, I would rather have one just in case than not when everyone else has one. Absolutely. I agree. 
And you know what's interesting? I thought about that and I've been really wanting to buy some guns. <laughs> but then I thought about it again. What is my chance of survival with guns? I'm not saying like don't have guns. I'm, I'm saying like if my focus is just on the guns versus like building relationships. I think building relationships and making sure I have a purpose in a community. Well, Mink has a purpose. She's good. She's a doctor. Everyone's going to be like, all right, we, we need her. <laughs> you know? We need her in our community. Yeah. You and I were screwed. <laughs> yeah. What have you guys done? Yeah. Uh, uh, podcasts. Oh, imaginary tech stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk. We like to talk. <laughs> yeah. We talk into a mic. <laughs> yeah. But that's where, like, if I'm really going to think from a survival standpoint, like, what can I do? All right. Well, I'll, I'm going to teach myself how to fix stuff. I'm handy. I can repair things. I can build things. Like that's, I feel like that if the end goal is to obviously survive for a finite amount of time, which is what we're all doing because none of us are mortal. It's what can I do? And I think that goes to the core of what I'm trying to say here, which is that because we're all going to die, there is no point to all this, any of this, you know, the sun's going to explode. Earth is going to vanish. It's like, there is no point. So taking that extreme, like there's no point obviously to existence. If I were to make a point out of it, and create something, which is what humans do, right? We create things. We're the only species that we know of that creates purpose, that creates meaning. If we're to create a meaning and a purpose to it, it is to, as simple as it is, enjoy the time that we're here <laughs> the best that we can. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's why a lot of people always say you have to create your own purpose. Purpose is never given to you. It's never found. It's created. Yeah. And so I think maybe that's something to explore more. I've been struggling with this throughout every single week. There's at least one or two days out of the week where I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm just like holding a baby and being a dad and playing some golf. And like, what am I doing? What is all this? And then it takes a little bit to shake me out of it. Be like, oh, being a dad. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's as simple as that. Being a father, being a person that is doing something that you enjoy. It's playing golf. Yeah, I'm being a friend. I'm being a brother. And can I derive some meaning and pleasure out of fatherhood? It's interesting. And like, it is something I have to be intentional about because, you know, as we hear stories about dads that like abandon their kids and families, I don't think it's instinctive. Like, I hate to be sexist here, but I don't think it's instinctive as a male to like have that yearning as much as like a female, that kind of attachment uh -oh. to your kids. You know, I've heard a few of my friends say that the connection to a child isn't as, it's not as immediate for men as it is for women, which I think just kind of makes sense because you carry them around for nine months. Yeah, yeah. You're the one caring for them, right? And so it is pretty natural. In my opinion, I, I know society is changing and, you know, we're always evolving, but instinctively males are wired to procreate. Like, like we look at animals, right? Like lions from lions to like gorillas, like they just made as much as possible to proliferate their seed and create things. I mean, this is like terrible to talk about publicly on record, but I'm just describing nature. It's not my opinion on this. Wait, but aren't there males in the animal kingdom that actually do, don't they all care for their offspring? In community. Now, this is what I'm trying to get at is even my therapist said this, instinctively, like there's less bonding between the father and the children, especially at the youngest age, like as an infant, because we didn't carry them. And like, 
whatnots, but oh, because you're not like actually physically feeding them. Yeah, exactly. But as time goes by, as like Miles gets older, I feel more and more of a stronger connection with them because I'm able to interact with them. I'm able to engage with them. I'm able to build a relationship, right? And I think this also comes full circle to what we're talking about because even a, a father-child relationship needs to be fostered. It can't just be assumed that because we're related by blood that we're going to be connected, that we're going to get along, that we're going to want to hang out. Oh, are you saying that you've intentionally made that purpose? You've made that relationship? I think everybody has to. Yeah. And our family therapist has told us, because initially I did feel quite distant from Miles because it was like, he doesn't really interact with me. And he just wants to suck on your boob. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> like, that's just the reality of it. And our therapist said, as he gets older, you know, the father relationship with their kids is going to grow because the kids are interacting, which makes sense. Bonds are created over experiences and time. It doesn't happen just because you're related. Mm. And we talked about this before, same with friendship, just because, you know, we've known someone since second grade or speaking of which, I just had dinner on Thursday with somebody I've known since second grade. I don't connect with him at all. I barely know him. But I've known him since second grade. He's probably like one of the first people I've I met when I moved to the United States. Wow. He's like happened to be dating one of Mink's friends from Chicago and they live in Chicago and they're visiting. And uh, she was like, hey, you know, Sean, that guy. And I was like, and he was like, oh, you know, this guy, Steve. And I was like, yeah. Dude, small world. That's crazy. I was like, I've known this guy since second grade, since I moved to the United States. Wow. But off tangent here. <laughs> Sorry for the tangent. <laughs> but you see what I mean though, right? Just because there's time and history in place doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You can't expect a relationship to kind of bud on its own. You have to put the effort into it. Maybe that's the same thing with purpose. Yeah. Same thing with family is you have to put the time into it to make things have more worth almost. Yeah. You have to foster it. Yeah. I think that's something that's helping me realize what you're saying is there is no purpose. There is no meaning at the core we have to continually create that meaning and that purpose every single day. Yeah. So you're saying even as something as, it's almost expected that your own son, someone of your own blood, you would have a relationship with, but even that has to be fostered and taken care of. Yes. And grown. And that's really helpful because I bet a lot of people think that they would have a relationship with their child as soon as they're born you think that there's going to be something there. But a lot of times you're saying it might not. It might not be there. And it's something you have to build yourself. You absolutely. Like it's so easy for me to detach. Or I even said something that I think Mink would never say this. Hmm. Like at dinner the other day. Because our friends don't have kids and they're not sure if they want to have kids. And I was just like, you know, in my 20s, I really wanted kids because I had a younger brother. And I just like love the idea of kids in my 20s for some odd reason. When my 30s was like, I'm good. I don't need kids. Right. And then when we had Miles, it was like, oh, you know what? This is wonderful. Could have more of them. But even with that statement, even with our reality, I've, I've openly said to the table, I was like, you know, if Mink didn't want kids, I would have been okay not having kids. Hmm. Right. I'm saying that after we already have kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's not to say, like, I don't love my kids. I don't want my kids. I'm like, I absolutely love them. I want more. But at the same time, I would have been okay if we had chosen as a family not to have kids. That goes to show, I think, a lot of things that like nothing just happens. Even if you make this decision to have kids and you have kids, nothing is just automatically given to you. 
purpose and meaning is not given to you. Like even my purpose and meaning as a father is not given to me. I still have to earn it every single day. I still have to nurture it and be intentional about it. That, hey, I want to be a dad. I want to be a good dad. Because I could easily just say, I don't want to be a dad. Yeah. Why isn't that a reality? That's true. Some people do that. Just like, I don't want to be a dad. Peace out. See ya. Right? So is that crazy as we're having this conversation, realizing that nothing is literally given, not even fatherhood. Everything has to be earned. Yeah, I guess being a parent is hard because every day you have to wake up and decide that you want to be a parent. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe not even that you want to be a parent, but... Yeah, I think you want. Because there's no need. I don't need to be a parent. I could be a bastard and abandon my kids, my family. Well, I'm saying that sometimes you do things even though you don't want to do them. Like nobody as a parent wants to get up at 3 a.m. and do a feeding. Nobody wants to do that. Do you? No, I, I want to sleep. Yeah, right? Like, I think even moms would say that, right? Nobody wants to get up at 3 a.m. Yeah, we just want to sleep. But I think you you make the decision that you're going to do it. Yeah. as a, It's a responsibility that you are going to accept. But I think certain biological things do make it a little bit easier. Again, I'm, I'm not a woman. I'm not a mom. I don't know what it's like to have babies sucking on my nipple, you know? <laughs> but there is a level of bonding created from that. Yeah. Like, purpose and meaning like I'm nourishing this child. Whereas like for me, it's much more detached. I'm indirectly nourishing by providing for the family and then providing stability, not just financially, but like mental well-being and like good home and clean home, right? Cleaning the house, you know, <laughs> taking care of shit. It does remove me from this direct relationship with the child that a mother would have from nursing their baby. Hmm. It's interesting. And so I, I think for me, it is like, yeah, like I love my daughter. I love my son. I love him to death, but I still have to be intentional about it every day. It's like, I want to be present. You know, I want to be here. I want to take care of them. I want to do these things and watch them grow. And one of the things I think is really interesting, and I do struggle with this, is obviously when I hold her and I like, or hold him, and I'm like, and they're like, it's endearing. But then when I'm not holding them, it's easy to forget about them. Mm. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm out golfing you know, enjoying my life, you know, my personal interests or my own personal well-being. Like, I'm just like, cool, I'm taking care of myself. Maybe that's the secret to being present. I don't want to make it sound like it's selfish. It is selfish, but I tell me, like, when I go golfing, I come home, I'm hyper-present. Yeah. I'm super happy, even though I might have played a shitty round, but I'm happy. I, you know, I got physical exercise. I feel challenged mentally. I come home, I just like, I just want to get shit done and take care of the kids, take care of the family. Like, I'm just present. Yeah. But tying that to last week's conversation, like, sometimes I, before I did feel a lot of guilt, even though this was what was best for me and ultimately was best for the family. I just wanted to, like, not golf and just stay home and just force myself to be present 24-7, which is not realistic. I like how you tied it to last week. I mean, I hope that helped a little bit, James. No, it was good. I liked it. Seeing that. There's no purpose to any of this. Just try to enjoy what you're doing or find some things that you enjoy doing. And um, to reiterate this, I have to be intentional when I'm holding my baby to enjoy that moment. There's no like hold the baby in immediate joy. Because I'll tell you, like sometimes middle of the night, I'm just like, fuck this baby. (laughs) I just want to go to fucking bed. Please just go to fucking sleep so I can go to bed. Right? Please stop like retching and like, spitting up milk. Please just sleep peacefully so I can go sleep peacefully. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm being dead serious. That's the reality for anybody who doesn't have kids yet. I believe you. I can only believe you. I have to be really intentional and be like, I love you. Like, I love this thing. I can't wait to watch you grow up. Like, I have to be intentional. And I, I think that translates to a lot of things in life. A lot of things we do. It's like, I can hate golf. I see a lot of people hating golf, but I have to be really intentional about, you know what? This is just a game and this is a challenge I want to accept and I'm going to enjoy this. But yeah, that's a good point to end. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Have a good week.